I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Today is Tuesday, August 18, 2020. We are looking at not my charts of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. What is this chart? What's going on here? For some reason, when I went to make the video after 4 p.m. after the closing bell today, TradeStation went down. Now, we all know we've been having issues with Thinkorswim. I've heard from a lot of traders about their platform. Now, all of a sudden, I can't get into my charts on TradeStation. Don't know what's going on. Didn't stick around to find out. Just have to make the adjustment. We'll use these charts. It's really the commentary that we're after. We'll fight through it. But certainly, it's an uncomfortable feeling when I'm looking at something I don't want to look at. What is this? Just for kicks, for those of you who are wondering, it's TradingView. The chart seems okay, I just don't know how to use it. I've never used it before, so I'm going to fight through it. Let's move on. What do we have on the docket today? Well, the S&P 500, or the SPY, I should say, did finally make a new intraday high today. The old high was 339.08 in the morning. They went up, they came up one penny short, they pulled back, went up later in the day, later in the afternoon made a new high, and then pulled back again. They're just playing games with the number. All in all, the volume across the board is very, very light. The market's in float mode. We are in the summer doldrums. This is also known as the dog days of summer, the dog days of August. Just so we get the numbers down, the high today happens to be 339.10. The old high was 339.08. And they closed them out at 338.60, which is very close to the all-time high. Now we have a new intraday all-time high. They're hovering near the highs. Let's not forget what else is up there. There's two other things that are around the highs that we need to be concerned with. We can't look at the futures chart on this platform. Maybe we can, but I'm not going to screw around with it right now. We'll just talk about the numbers. The ES, which is the S&P E-mini futures contract, they have a high of 3396.50. That is not the same or corresponding price to the SPY of 339.08. So there's some more room on the upside to achieve at least a test of the all-time high, at least in the S&P E-mini futures contract. What we're looking at right now is the September futures contract, also known as the U contract. Above that, we have two more numbers. We have the big fat round numbers. In the ES contract, the fat round number is ES3400. In the S&P or the SPY contract, it's 340 bucks. We've talked about this before as well. Can they go higher than 340? Of course they can. If they're going to bust through the all-time highs, are they going to stop at 340 or tease traders and get up to 3,400 and a quarter, 450, somewhere in between? Something like that is more probable than not, but first, they have to get above and prove that they can stay above for more than a couple of minutes above the big fat round number of 3,400. 
So what we do in this case is we use hourly closes and or a daily close to our advantage. If we find the market closing hourly above 3400, pretty good sign that they're not going to stop at 3400 obviously. If they close daily above 3400, we're really looking to the next semi or quarterly fat round numbers. We'll look to 34 and a quarter, 3450. At new highs it's a fool's game to try and pinpoint to the exact penny, to the exact tick, exactly where they're going to stop. Somebody will be right, but I'm not going to try and play that guessing game. How do we do it? What do we look for in terms of a market turn? When and if the market does finally to make a turn? Same routine, no different. We're looking for signs and signal of a trend change. How do we identify those signs and signals? They're identified and taught and discussed in depth, in detail, in the course, Lazy E-Mini Trader. Real quick, let's talk about the hourly chart. And by the way, my apologies for these charts. They're not the greatest. I'm having a difficult time trying to look at this, translate what's in my mind, which we all know is a very dangerous place to be. And I'm having a hard time translating what I want to say looking at this chart into an understandable format. So we'll just have to go with it. We're doing the best we can. The hourly chart. So here's what I wanted to point out. Let me mention something else also. And this comes up all the time for Inside the Numbers members. So I'm actually glad I'm looking at this. Now I understand. Not that I didn't understand before, but I can certainly get the full magnitude of what's going on here. The hourly closes on these free charts, for example, are on the hour. So it's on the hour like... 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock rock. The hourly closes as the crow flies in terms of what the market really is, is actually on the half hour. Why is that? Because the market opens at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. 10.30 is the first hourly close and every hour after that. And yes, the last hour of the day is actually a half hour in terms of the candle. Doesn't matter. Been doing it that way for decades. So the point I want to make is this hourly chart doesn't actually look the same as my normal hourly chart. Doesn't matter. It's the concept of what happened. We'll get back to the real charts the next video. What did they actually do today? What they did was they ran a shakeout operation to run a test down to fill a couple of gaps. Look at this nonsense. They filled a couple of gaps down below. This one doesn't look like it was filled, but that's because of this chart. It was filled and they got out of there in a hurry, went right back up into the area that they were running time or eating time off the clock yesterday in a bull flaggish kind of pattern. So basically, it was a little bit of shenanigans sponsored by the Trick Trap Fool and Frustrate crew, but they did end up running down to fill some gaps, turn right back around. When that happens, and they get out of there in a hurry, for example, they spike down, fill a gap, and have an immediate rocket ride out of the area from the gap. That's a bullish sign. It's not bearish that they went down to fill the gap. It's bullish that they went down to fill the gap and got out of there. Think of it like this. It's kind of like they went down to take care of some business, turned around, and got back to business. Inside the numbers, we'll take a snapshot of inside the numbers today. In terms of the commentary, I'll give you a snapshot of stocks on the move. Couple jumped the target. Not sure we can get the full effect on those charts, but we'll go through the commentary anyway. We're talking about the big fat round numbers. 
We're talking about all the resistance areas. We're talking about Trick and Company. We know what they're going to do. We just don't know exactly the manner in which they do it. Every single morning, I talk about the fact that when we're talking about gaps or a new high or whatever it is, sometimes they come up short by a couple of pennies or ticks. Sometimes they spike it through. Sometimes they hit it on the nose. You never know exactly which one they're going to do when, which is why we have to have the awareness that they do all three. So for example, if a gap is a target, meaning we're long a market, we're trading it up to a gap or down to a gap, we're short the market, either way, we don't necessarily wait until the gap to exit the trade, we exit in front of the gap in that kind of a circumstance. Let's take a look at the commentary. What you can do is pause the video, read the commentary, go back to your charts if they work, and see what happened. Basically, the bottom line is, after the gap, they got back into a float mode slash chop shop formation, ate some time off the clock, had an end of the day push to make the new high by a couple of pennies, Trick and Company took over, and they basically just went out limping around into the end of the day. Again, it's to be expected. It's the summer doldrums. There's nothing we can do about it. The dog days of summer generally will be over after Labor Day. That's kind of the way it works. Here's a chart that we can look at, and this is something of an awareness also. So as the morning came to a close, what really happened? They ran down, created a reversal candle. This is an hourly chart. And then the following hour, what did they do? They reversed the reversal candle. Just something we can look at, something we can learn from. You have to be aware of what's going on all day, every day in the market. And by the way, what's interesting is if you're using the other charts that don't have the half hour close or can't be manipulated to the half hour close, your chart doesn't look like this. This is the real chart. This was working at the time. And other charts just don't or won't look like that. It's important that your charts are true. If they're not true, I'm here to tell you, and I hate to say it this way, but there's no other way to say it. They're wrong. They're crap. Don't use them. They're not giving you the proper information. Here's another chart. So I want to give another viewpoint. Let's look at what happened from another perspective. So I put a two-hour and a four-hour chart side by side. Here's the bullish flaggish formation that you see from yesterday what did they do today they had a test case they ran a test to fill a gap went right back up right back to business where they were yesterday you can see it on the hourly chart the 120 and the 240 minute chart and when you look at it like this all in all nothing really happened that's the point that i wanted to get across and then we limp out into the end of the day. And you can see here just after three o'clock, they're just playing games. It is what it was. Look at that. While we were making the video or while I was making the video, the charts started to come back. Trade Station started to come back. I don't know what's going on out there with the online brokers, but at the end of the day, it's not really funny. Technology isn't new. They should be able to get a handle on this by now. So we're not going to start over, but I don't have the other charts back. I don't have the intradays back. I have the daily back, so we'll use that. We'll move on, and we'll just improvise and do the best we can with what we've got. By the way, here is a picture of the futures chart, and here's today's high. You can see it comes in at 3390.75. So the, the disparity that you have to make, or it's not a disparity, but the difference you have to realize is... 
Most traders, A, don't realize there are futures contracts. B, wouldn't understand or realize that there's a different price between the S&P 500 cash index, which is the SPX, that's not the SPY. The SPX is one thing, that's this index, that's the cash index. Then you have the ES contract, that's the futures contract. And you have the SPY, which is the exchange-traded fund that tracks the SPX. It's complicated. You don't need to know any more than that. The point that I want to make and what we need to be aware of, we need to know this, is that the market is going to achieve certain objectives on all different charts. So, for example, the market achieved the SPY new high today. They went and got it. They came up short in the morning. They did it in the afternoon. They got the new high. They didn't get the new high in the ES contract. What's the likely scenario there? They'll do it in the heat of the night when nobody's looking, like a bandit with a face mask on. Instead of robbing a bank, they're robbing the points away from the futures traders. That puts the SPY comparably up about 339.75, give or take a few cents, right? underneath the big fat round number of 340. You see what's going on up here? It's kind of congested, even though we're at new highs. How about Camp IWM? This is interesting. This is my favorite market-leading indicator, so there's a couple of things going on. Nothing different than we've discussed, but we have to note that the IWM was down 1% today when the S&P 500 was up about one quarter of 1%. The NASDAQ was up three quarters of 1%, and we have the IWM down. Now, is that a big concern? Well, it may be, but not yet. So the reason it's not yet is because they're simply eating time off the clock, really going sideways, doing what? They're letting home base catch up to price, the 20-period moving average. That's what they're doing. We talk about it every night, and as you can see, each and every day, home base creeps a little bit closer to price. So there's really technically nothing wrong with the IWM. From a daily chart perspective, it's still bullish, it's still in an uptrend, and they're not doing anything bearish whatsoever. Not yet, anyway. Get below 153, close the day below 153, and things will change. What about the folks down at the transportation department? Well, same routine as the transports, and I didn't do this With the IWM, I know I just said transports there, but same routine as the IWM. I didn't do this, but this could have been done. This is a bullish, flaggish kind of formation. So what's going on here? They're eating time off the clock. Same thing as the IWM. Giving home base a chance to catch up to price. Price comes down a little bit toward home base. There's nothing bearish on this chart. Close back below 10,700. On the day, you start to get concerned if you're a transport long player. On the week, you get real concerned. That's a recapture of the breakdown candle high. What do we got in the queues? Nothing. Uptrend, the trend is your friend until it's not. Another grind higher. Nothing wrong with this market whatsoever. This, along with any of the other markets, until and unless we see a sign and or signal of a trend change, the trend is up. The trend is your friend. Don't fight the trend. Fighting the trend is really what the pie in the face was invented from. About the financials. Another down indice or index. Down three quarters of 1%. So we have the transports down, the financials down, the IWM down. If there's something going on under the hood of the market, it's going to appear shortly. 
These markets are still in an uptrend. They're still in a quote-unquote pullback mode as opposed to bearish mode. However, things can change rather quickly. And the XLF, all it's really doing at present is coming back to pay a visit at what? A former breakout area that could be considered somewhere around this 24 and a quarter area, give or take. You have a breakup candle low, that's at 24.15. You have a 20 period moving average. So under normal garden variety conditions, there should be support in and around that 24.15, 24 and a quarter, even 24 area. What about Smash Mouth? Now here's another one. So we have the Qs up, the tech space up, and we know it's top heavy, but this is the deal. SMH down, which is generally a leading indication of the tech space in and of itself. So here we go again. IWM and transports down, my two favorite market leading indicators. Financials down, the market's not going anywhere without the financials. The S&P makes a slight new high. The Qs and the NASDAQ are in a mind of their own or in a planet of their own. Was the destination in the SPY just to make a new high by a couple of pennies? That's it. It's possible. We don't know that now. We may know more tomorrow. We may know more beyond tomorrow. These are all the awareness things. We have to be aware of the markets that lead the market. They're not up today, so they're not leading the market up. Are they telling us that there's cracks under the hood? It's possible. We do have divergences. We need to be aware. All these things are puzzle pieces. They're all on the table. I wish I had more charts. I was a little handcuffed or handicapped today with the charts and the lack thereof when TradeStation went down. So my apologies for what we didn't discuss, but I think you got the lion's share of what's important. Have I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you? Without you, these videos are not possible. No way, no how. We're going to pull the ripcord here today. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app, and please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is Common Sense Market Analysis.